The world around us is changing faster than ever before. From automation, artificial intelligence, big data, geolocation, to every aspect of how we work and live. This includes data. Welcome, Welcome. to Data Welcome. Gurus Podcast. Our mission is to bring you a real-life perspective on what's happening in the industry and how successful companies and individuals in this niche navigate through the sea of change. Encouraging you to be bold, be brave, and be fearless. Let's navigate the data ecosystem together. Welcome to the Data Gurus Podcast. Welcome to another episode of Data Gurus. This is Seema Vasa, your host. And today I'm joined by Raj Bain, who is the CEO and founder of Prophecy. Welcome, Raj. Hi, Seema. Delighted to be on the show. I look forward to it. Thank you. Thank you. So, Raj, we've talked about your business and where you fit. But before we get into that, as we explain to listeners, I would love it if you could just share a little bit of your background. Sure. So my background, professionally, I started like early 2000s you know, a little bit into graphics, but then I started into developer and power tools. So I worked in Microsoft. At that point, there was this Visual Studio, which was the go-to product for developers. Then actually I heard from a a researcher that NVIDIA, Uh you know, NVIDIA, the graphics card company was building this thing called CUDA, which would enable GPUs to be used Mm -hmm. for everything, not graphics. So I was one of the first people who built that in the team. And again, for technical folks, I worked on compilers, which, you know, makes it run. But now, you know, I'm delighted to see it being used for all of Bitcoin mining, which is not the target, right? and all of deep learning, which happens on NVIDIA's graphics processors. So, so, you know, that became big. Then I moved into the space of data. Okay. And I moved from engineering into marketing and product management. So I've worked in, in a small startup a data startup. Then I was in Hortonworks, which was the Hadoop company, uh-huh. you know, selling the big data platforms. And there I managed the primary product, which was Apache Hive. But as I talked to a lot of users, and I was in front of a lot of users, I saw that the data users, as opposed to the other developers, were really struggling to become productive. Yeah. And the tools they were using kind of looked like tools from the Stone Age. <laughs> like what were they using? <laughs> no, I mean, a lot of them were just writing code and writing scripts. There were some SQL scripts, some Got Python it. scripts, right? You're writing a script, yeah. 500 line script, 400 line, you know, you're trying to modify some data. And you have no idea what the data looks like. What columns does the data have? And you're trying to write some code to modify it. It was so like, they were just saying, it's very hard to be productive. Right. And we've been hearing about this, right? It's like, oh, data is the new oil, right? It's a phrase that's a decade old. But the thing is, the tools to get it out, to get it ready are just haven't been there. Mm -hmm. And then you still hear about, oh, the data you know, machine learning people trying to get insights are spending 90% of their time on data cleaning. Yes. Well, you could have said the same thing 10 years ago and nothing's been done. So I'm like, you know what, I'm going to go solve this problem. And that's what we are doing as Prophecy. And when did you start the company? It's 2017. Okay. So you've been at it for six years. Sorry, five years. And we're building a big, big product. So basically what happens is there is a lot of point products in the market. What does that mean? Point product means, hey, I will solve your data quality problem. Got I will it. solve your, this problem. Now you have to build this data stack and then there's like 15 different tools. Different tools. Now, yeah. So it's like you're trying to stitch the data together 
Yeah. But before you do that, you have to stitch the tools together for stitching the data That's together. Right. And it's a mess. They don't talk to one another. And it's like, so sometimes, you know, with some of our customers, they're like, I'm looking at this column, the data analyst says, mm-hmm. and it's like, how was this computed? Right. They don't know. It's like somebody in data engineering wrote some script and it came out and they used a different system. These guys are using a different system. And they're like, I don't know what it represents. Yeah. Right. Made. So these kind of problems are, you know, quite yeah. a lot of them there. So we are like, hey, we are going to build one visual tooling layer. Everybody can use it. Data data scientist, data analyst, but focused on getting the data ready for analytics. We don't do the analytics, but we get it ready for analytics. That's exciting. I mean, I know that, you know, to your point, people have been talking about data and the proliferation of data and accessibility is still a challenge, like you said. I mean, only a few people in corporations can get that data, rationalize it, and sometimes can explain what they did and sometimes not, right? And there's always this debate too. It's like, you know, as a business user of data, do you need to know what's in the black box? Do you need to know how it was put together to be able to trust the validity of the data that you're looking at? And what are you saying when you talk to business users? Yeah, we see a couple of things. So one is, for example, in products like ours, there is this thing called lineage for every column. It tracks back every single edit made to the data from the first source. Wow. So you can give a summary and say, this is how every column in the data set was computed. So we have that in the product. But if it's not there, right, it's typically what happens is, the business user does care a lot about the business meaning of data. Yes. The data engineer who's, you know, not used a consumer of data doesn't care as much. Yeah. So you let's say I have some metric, internal rate of return. Yep. Right. And I'm trying yep. to compute that. Somebody's going to do, you know, maybe an engineer was late in the evening, tired, <laughs> Googled internal rate of return, picked the third formula that showed up on Google research, you know, because it was the best formatted. And, you know, they use that, right? And then I'm trying to make a business decision based on it. And it's like, you know, that might not be what the business user thinks it is or this. And now you're making multi-million dollar decisions. So that's one kind of thing. And then I was talking to one very large retail company. Okay. The one that makes shoes. Yeah. So (laughs) so I have to use all names like this. We have very large customers, a lot of them Fortune 500, a lot of them Fortune 50. But, you know, we don't have permission for the logo. So they were saying, hey, all our data engineers are enabled. They can do whatever they want. I'm like, and then what about your data consumers? Right. Data analysts and the machine learning people, do they understand how the data was produced? And they're like, "Uh, no. Yeah. And then it was like, okay, so, and then I asked them, I'm like, so what do your data scientists do? And they're like, what do you think they do? (laughs) I'm like, they go say, I don't trust your data. Give me the sources again. Right. And they build data pipelines again. And they were like, if you could just help us look inside this giant mess that we have, you would realize that 60% of the work we are doing is just repeated work that we don't need to because one person builds the data and the other person says, I don't trust it. And I don't know. Right, exactly. So they're rebuilding it. They're rebuilding the data pipelines from scratch because they're like, you've done something and I don't know because some teams don't. They'll just use it. Sometimes the answers are right. Sometimes the answers are wrong. Sometimes two different teams will show up with dashboards that don't agree. Right. And they have no idea why. Why? And then sometimes, you know, the more programming type, you know, data scientists will go and say, I'm going to do everything from scratch because Mm. I don't trust your data. Right. 
so much wasted work. Yes. And I imagine also there's not, I mean, like these organizations are growing and trying to develop standards. There's no kind of language or vernacular within organizations as to how to approach building a data pipeline. Yes, there is none. So there is a huge problem with standardization. So actually what happened, right? If we look back a little bit at the industry, so I'm going okay. to go back. Yes, please start do. Showing, start showing my age a little bit. <laughs> so earlier people used to just write scripts. They yeah. were using Perl was the language. Mm -hmm. And then there was SQL scripts. SQL survived and excelled for ages and a lot of data analysts know it. And they started using that. And then came the era of visual tools, right. which were ETL tools, the Informatica, Finitio, yes. Data Stage. All of them had visual tools and they were standardized. Yep. Then you move to the cloud and everybody said, I don't want to be locked into that tool. So they moved to code and threw away the tools, mm -hmm. all the visual development tools. And now everybody's writing code. Got it. But what that has led to is everybody could, everybody's code looks different. Right. Thing is standardized. There are no standards in the company. Everybody's writing their own thing. One person can't understand another person's code. And so this has lot to, led to a lot of different problems. So what we've done here is to say, oh, what we'll do is you do visual drag and drop development. Mm. We write very high quality code for you. Okay. So you kind of get both. So you're getting the code. Yes. So, you know, so that has made people a lot more open to going back to visual development. That's one. And the other thing is there's these visual development blocks in which they can just scribble some business logic mm -hmm. and, you know, expressions and all like you would do in Excel. And then they can create new blocks, right? Right. And because they can create new blocks, something that wasn't there in the last generation tools, they are able to say, you know what, this is how we do data quality in our organization. This is how we do these things. So it has allowed a lot more standardization across this. So now you have these Lego pieces and everybody's building data pipelines of the same Lego pieces. The, you know, they're high quality in this. So this has led, you know, so we are kind of pushing back standardization, but the lack of it has caused just so much trouble because right now it's a mess. The whole data space is a mess. People have been talking about it for a while. Right. Nothing gets solved. You go talk to an investor and we've had this trouble, right? Sure. You go talk to a VC. They will say, show me traction. Mm -hmm. It's like, okay, you know, you are a, okay, here's 2 million, 3 million. You are a company in Bay Area. Show me traction. Right. It's like, you know what? Do you know what the salaries in Bay Area are? Do you know how expensive housing is? Yeah. Like we can have such a small team. Right. That if that team starts to build something, I can't build a product. I build a tiny feature. Mm -hmm. As soon as you build a tiny feature, go to the next investor. They say, this is great. I here is more money. Now I want you to triple the revenue. Right. Now, what are you going to do? You're going to add a few more things and trying to start selling that instead of building the full product. The full product, right. Yeah. So the system is such that in the last 10, 15 years, nobody's been able to build a product that actually solves the problem. Right. And so do you feel that you've accomplished building the full platform and yes. ecosystem? Yeah. Yes. Yes, are in, some engineers in my team are not heavy. I was just looking at the scores. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They're like, we work too much. <laughs> but that said, what we did is that we worked, started working with two, three really large companies. Okay. Right. A couple of biggest credit card processors, a top four US bank. And then we spent two, three years with them. Working with building, them. Building, building, yep. building, building, building. So that's kind of what we've done. We still have one to two years of solid building in front of us. But right. now we are at a point where we can solve the entire problem. And for the companies using us, they just use us. 
That's and fantastic. It becomes an enterprise-wide standard. Mm-hmm. All lines of business, mm-hmm. data analysts, data engineers, everybody's using the same tool and they're all speaking the same language. So we've, I think we've started achieving that. Of course, we need to build sales and marketing and grow it. Mm-hmm. But our first customers are starting to get successful and it is painful because the system's not set up for it. Sure. Yeah. Let me ask you, when you think of your typical, like when you sell your system, who does it appeal to the most within enterprises? Are you going to data compliance officers? Are you going to CFOs? Are you going to COOs, CEOs? Who is thinking about this every day? Yeah. So there is a few different groups and I can okay. just say what each group is. Sure. So there is one, if you go into a, so there's it's one, it's very different between smaller companies and larger companies. Sure. The smaller companies teams tend to be a lot more integrated. The same team is doing stuff end to end. Right. And they communicate. They communicate a lot Mm -hmm. more and they are like, whatever makes my life easy. Right. Right. If you go into larger companies, now there becomes complex stakeholders, Mm -hmm. right? So there is a data engineering team who wants to own the platform and they are very much like I owns the world. Right. Grab the world and it's like, I will control it. Right. So there is that team. Now, But the challenge for them is that then on the other side, there is a data analytics team and a data science team who both are trying to do analytics, whether it is traditional business intelligence or machine learning, they need data, you know, the data relevant to their product, right? And they are always stuck and back up because, you know, these people are not producing data, right? So they are like, hey, we are stuck. We are stuck behind them. We can't get good quality data in time. Now they are putting pressure on executives who are right. going back to data engineering teams and saying, guys, what the hell are you doing? Where's the data? Now, yeah. And then in larger companies also, there tends to be another person who's like, hey, I'm the metadata architect. Mm. I am supposed to track personally identifying information. You know, 300 of you wrote scripts and now my data set has, you know, now I have, you know, 15,000 data sets, which one all have personally identifying information. I need to report on this. And that person's just like, you know, pulling their hair, like going from team to team, trying to figure out, trying to control the data. So, but that said, right. But now increasingly we are getting a lot more interest from, so there's some data platform teams who are like, let us enable these other people so they stop yes. us for us. Some are like, no, 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 I want to control everything. Mm-hmm. So there is both. But the data analyst teams, the machine learning teams, they're like, I just want something where I can quickly build a data pipeline because everybody needs to build a data pipeline. Right. That That's the key thing. It's like, let's say I'm, I have a credit card product. Okay. Right? I need my customers' information. What transactions did they make? Right. And then mm-hmm. I want to say, oh, I want to understand my customer. What geography are they in? What stage mm-hmm. of life are they in? And then they spend some rewards. Right. And I'm yeah. like, what rewards do they spend? So all this data is relevant to my credit mm-hmm. card. Then I might say, you know what? I know which ones of my customers are profitable. Let me try to find some more customers like that. Now, what rewards would they like? Mm-hmm. And now let me run a campaign trying to get more of those profitable customers. So this data is specific to me. Then I look over the shoulder and on the other, you know, (laughs) the next cubicle is sitting somebody who's in wealth management. Yep. And there's somebody who's in mortgage and the data they need to get is completely different. They need to get the housing data or, you know, (laughs) find census data or whatever. Right. Yes. So the basic thing is like, if you look at a bank, there's hundreds of Mm -hmm. products. Every product needs different data 
from many different sources put together. So data pipelines are the heart of analytics because unless you have them, you don't have the data to ask any intelligent question. And like I was saying, like, so now it's more like the data analysts and the data heads are like, we want something self-serve where we can quickly put the data together ourselves. Okay, if you have some standard data sets, just serve them to us. Right. But but they want to be stop being blocked by these central teams. So I think that's kind of a trend. And it seems like the executives are increasingly empowering mm-hmm. the business teams because they're like, we want results. And these guys are like, we are stuck behind the central team. We need and- data. We yeah. need data and, you know, so interesting dynamics, the industry is changing, but it's it's also moving towards more collaborative and mm-hmm. smaller teams. Mm-hmm. Let me ask mm-hmm. you what, when you say, I mean, conceptually, I understand a data pipeline, your examples resonate with me, but what do you consider the criteria to be to have a good data pipeline? What does that mean in yes. real world? As I was like, just giving an example of yeah. somebody who's doing credit card, right? I need to get data from N different systems, right? Right. Sometimes it's a like, I might have data from Salesforce. I might have data from a marketing system. Now, when the data comes in, one piece of data is going to say CA. Another data is going to say California. These data is not going to connect. They're not going right? to connect. So, so right. I, I have to connect all that data. I got it. Now come the edits, right? We're working with an airline. It's like somebody took a ticket, then they modified it, then they again modified it, then they again modified it. It's like, which one is the right one? Right. right? So, so you have to get that data. You need to keep the history of the data. Mm-hmm. Because, okay, you know, this, there were seven modifications to this uh, fly, <laughs> flight booking. And then the thing is that the other key thing, right? So one is when you get data, you have to combine it. Now, the other key thing, so one is the quality of data. Right, right. And when the data is there, it's been combined. Are you confident that the quality of the data is good? That's number one, seems obvious. Yes. The second thing is, is the data timely? Right. So as soon as I built this pipeline, I got all the data together. It took me three days. Now my data is three days out of date. Now I need to automate this. I need this data to be delivered every day, every four hours from all these systems. Right. Okay. That's number two. Now, number three is a little more subtle, which is like, I need to ask questions of this data. Mm -hmm. Let's say I'm a salesperson, right? Mm -hmm. I have some sales things. I want to look at it and say, okay, I want to look up by California. I want to look at by county, right? I want to slice and dice the data and say, what's happening by geographical regions? Got it. And who are the people selling the most? And then I might say, you know what? Actually, I understand that, but let's look through sales managers. Mm-hmm. Which of the sales managers are now, you know, which teams are performing well in the same geography? Are, you know, it does it matter a lot which team or is it just mostly dependent on the geography? Mm-hmm. So, so now I'm going to start slicing and dicing the data a different way. So now these data pipelines have to lay out the data in a way in which asking these questions is easy. You so can query it. Yes. Yeah. So there, a lot of thought goes out uh, before you lay out the final data. Mm-hmm. A lot of thought goes in like what kind of questions are going to be asked in the of this data. Can I answer them? Can I answer them quickly? So means it's I must be able to slice and dice the sales data by geography, by mm-hmm. management chain and this. So, so there is that which used to be called star schema, etc. Right. Some best practices. It's like the so the data has to be high quality. It mm-hmm. has to be timely and it has to be in the right, of course, all the right pieces of data right. and then in the right shape to answer the questions quickly. 
Got it. And okay, so let's then go back to your company. Your company basically, Prophecy helps get the data into this platform. It helps the quality, right? Making sure the good quality data is in there. And you talk with the client then determine kind of relevance and timing. So basically, right. So what we are saying is we are going to make it easy for you to build data pipelines. I got it. Okay. So basically you go in and you say, here is my source connector. You on a canvas, you plop a visual thing and then you click it. It opens up a UI says, what do you want to connect to? It's like, I want to pull data from here. It's like, that's great. Got it. it Play. It'll pull the data and show you some sample data. And Mm -hmm. then you're like, okay, I need to modify it like this, this, this. So step by step by step, Mm -hmm. you create the data pipeline and then say, okay, now this data is ready for analytics so now you say okay play okay then you go up and click schedule Mm -hmm. and then you say okay run it at 9 a.m every Mm -hmm. day okay and then you're done right it'll run forever till the end of time at 9 a.m every day you know and then as the data is there we are like oh you want to merge it with the existing data here is an easy simple way to do it right so it takes a lot of errors out because for all the common operations you want to do there is something that makes it easy Got it. Got and it. easy and fast. And then the other thing that we do uniquely is, like I said, as you're doing that on the other side, right, on our visual canvas, there is a button. You click that button, the canvas flips, and you can see we've been writing code. Very wow. high quality code. It's 100% open source. So then right. you're not locked in. It's like you're, you, you, so everybody becomes a top data engineer, right? You are a data analyst, did mm-hmm. some visual drag and drop. And then you got a top data engineer writing code in Python. And you're like, you know what? What I produced is high, as good quality as yeah. was. And is the coding, I, help me understand the translation from the blocks or the, you know, the visual yes. to translating, creating high quality code. Is that automatic? How does yes. that get done? Oh, it does. Yes, okay. that's automatic, right? So, and, and like I said, with my background, yeah, I come from the world of compilers. Sure. Right. So for example, when I was in Microsoft, I, we would actually look at the code for Windows, mm. the entire operating system, and convert it into machine code that runs on an Intel processor. Got it. Okay. At NVIDIA, we took a code that's written in, again, a high-level language and make it run on the hardware. So we are very adept at taking you know, one representation and from there automatically converting another one. Right. And that's why this was so good for me to come in because we built some very powerful yeah. tools. And then coming to the data space, actually, they're not that hard, but somehow nobody's built them. <laughs> <laughs> Knock on wood, nobody else does. Hopefully, <laughs> <laughs> nobody else can take building them also. <laughs> and so you're really democratizing the access to data. Absolutely. We're all about self-serve data. Mm-hmm. Everybody becomes a 10x data engineer, is what we're saying. Every data analyst, every data scientist, you want to get data ready, you can do it yourself and you'll do it in a way. And, and you know, there is one other quick thing, like sometimes sure. there's tools, tools like Alteryx yes. that people have used. Now, the problem that happens is Alteryx doesn't run at scale. It's a last generation product, great mm-hmm. product. Actually, we have their CEO on our board and an okay. investor. So <laughs> it's a great product, but it was built in the last generation, not at scale. Mm-hmm. The other key thing is that when our customers run, these things, for example, you know, developed worlds, half of their credit card transactions are flowing right. through. You know, that's massive data. Yes. So even when these data analysts build a pipeline, it's a full production worthy pipeline that can run at any scale. Mm-hmm. So we ensure that. So you do be sure we generate code, it's democratizing, but it's democratizing in a way in which every data engineer can run at 
any scale of data, the most complex mm-hmm. problems, but we make it super easy, super fast. And it's all about, so it's how many users can use it? Many, many, many. How productive are they? Instead of weeks, they'll take two days. Right. right? And then what quality have they produced? Very high quality, right? So we are just looking at those three and saying, just doubling down and making it simpler and simpler to use more and more powerful Right. So for us, you know, the good thing is if everybody, every data analyst team, every data science team who's just trying to solve a business problem, they can build and put into production their own pipelines, Mm -hmm. very self-serve, not be blocked by other teams. And the quality of work they're doing is so good that you don't need that central team. Got it. Or the central team can maybe, you know, a lot of times central teams are actually supportive and define standards. So this team will say, hey, I'm finding this part hard. Can you give me a new visual component that solves this problem for me? And I just configure it and they're like, yeah, here you go. Right. And so with that, I think that's the world we are moving toward, but we really need to solve this data problem. Right. We've been talking about it for so, so long. Yeah. Well, 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 let, me, let me ask you. So, I mean, obviously change is happening. You have clients who are now using your platform. You know, obviously we want to see more and more companies adopt this philosophy of leveraging data and not, you know, making it accessible to business users to be able to drive decisions. What do you see as the future of data? Do you think we'll quote unquote get there? Do you think it's like, you know, a 20 year horizon? What's your perspective? I think we will figure out. So first, I think one way to summarize what we do is low code. Yes. Right. We are just saying that you don't need to write Um, all that code. It's low code. It's visual. That means enabling a lot more users. But to me, it seems like over the next, you know, three to five years, we will get a handle on being able to manage data. Yes. Okay. So it's like, you know, for most companies saying, can I manage my data? Can I get it into the Mm -hmm. right shape to ask the right questions? Mm -hmm. I think that will get solved. Where we are, I think, and, and a few other startups are actually there's not that much. A lot of people are doing, like like I said, small things. But, you know, people have kind of converged on few data platforms mm-hmm. like Databricks and mm-hmm. Snowflake and a few. And then, right. you know, and, and now at, so now we're moving one layer above that, right? Before people were like, hey, Amazon or Microsoft, right? Mm-hmm. Cloud, Azure. And then they're like, hey, Snowflake or Databricks or this, right? They pick their data platform. Right. Now the next battle is kind of in the tooling layer, mm-hmm. which like what can make their lives easy. But then as that gets done, the full stack gets built. And then, you know, so so I, I see that data management will probably get pretty solved in the next mm-hmm. three to five years. And uh, yeah. So, so, I, I think so, parallel so. also is the analyst and the business users, the consumers of the data will have to go through some change management as, as well, because they're not used to having so much data accessible to themselves. My sense is maybe the next crop of talent and even companies investing in their people to be able to consume the information and drive decisions. Yes. So there are just a couple, couple of points, sure. right? So a couple of things that are actually happening on the ground Okay, is... One thing that's happening is that two companies, Prophecy and this a company called DBT Labs. Okay. Right, DBT. What we are saying is, hey, let's get Git, mm-hmm. which is the source control system. Git tests, you know, having a lot of tests, yes. having continuous integration. So there are these best collaboration building mm-hmm. system of record kind of things that software engineering has figured out. Got it. Let's bring this to data. 
So as people use us visually or DBT, they actually have to write scripts, but at least both ways they are doing that. So to your point, these the data practitioners are getting the best software tools yes. of software engineers to build more reliable production worthy systems and where they can collaborate better. Mm. The second thing that's coming is templates. Template says, okay, you know, if somebody got Salesforce data, you pick five trend, you dump the Salesforce data into, into your snowflake. Yep. Now it's like, here is the standard module to clean it. Yes. And here is the standard way to do marketing attribution. So yep. I think so many of those Lego blocks are also being created that will make the life of these analysts much better because you can very quickly get to the basic results, mostly off of templates. So I think what you said was very insightful that, you know, there is this change that's coming, right? Mm. One is the change towards this better systems and mm. more collaboration. Second is where a lot of the, you know, repetitive, heavy lifting will be templatized so people don't have to spend time there they will spend time to what's unique about their correct business, yeah right yeah um, so a lot of exciting stuff coming it's over very the exciting next year. it really is and also like even more data is coming right where i've talked to another founder who's building robots for manufacturing and all that data from those robots can be used for analysis so i think we're only going to see more and more data and obviously your company yes. will continue to be relevant and gain more traction. <laughs> that, that sounds great. Fingers crossed. Gain more traction is music to my ears. <laughs> Raj, thank you so much for joining me today. I really enjoyed our conversation. Teams are in flux, but you still have to get your research in field. Partnership with Paradigm Sample means you get our expert focus on every detail of your project. We have access to over 1 million consumers and many business professionals who are eager to voice their opinions and participate in traditional and non-traditional online studies, whether it comes to sampling, programming and hosting services or consultation. We are agile and quick to meet your needs. Visit ParadigmSample.com today. Thank you for tuning in to Data Guru's podcast. This episode has ended but your exploration doesn't have to. Head over to www.dataguruspodcast.com and access all the resources and links mentioned in today's show. You'll also find bonus content available to our podcast listeners exclusively. That's www.dataguruspodcast.com. Until next time, be bold, be brave, and be fearless.